بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى ما بعد so there is a saying that awwal an-nasi awwal an-nasin the first of the human beings was the first one who forgot so this was adam alayhi salam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says fanasiya wa lam najid lahu azma that he forgot and he made a mistake so Adam he made a mistake and also Iblis made a mistake and that's where the resemblance ends after that Adam he made tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the kalimat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-Baqarah فَتَلَقَى آدَمُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتِ فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divinely inspired him with kalimat he was crying and weeping roaming around the earth for 40 years begging for forgiveness and then in surah al-Baqarah Allah revealed the ayah about it Allah inspired him with kalimat. فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّهُ تُوَابَ الرَّحِيمِ And he accepted his tawbah. He is the forgiving, the merciful. What were the kalimat that Adam a.s. made dua? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed exactly those kalimat. First in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah ta'ala speaks about the fact that he inspired him with kalimat. And what were those actual kalimat that are mentioned? In Surah A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ رَبَّنَا Both of them, meaning Adam and Hawa alayhim as-salam, the husband and the wife, the father and mother of all of humankind. Our father and our mother, they said, you know, as they were, they were, there was a bunch of people, they were uh, talking about their tribes, and they were saying, so and so, my grandfather was Sheikh al Hadith, another one said, my grandfather was a Mufti Adam, another one said, my grandfather was a great um, Sheikh of Tazkiyah and, and Tasawwuf. So then one person said that, you know, I'm from the Nasal and Nasab of uh, Prophet Adam alayhi salam. <laughs> Okay, so uh, anyway, so Adam and our father and mother, they said, "Rabbana walamna anfusana." Oh, our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. Wa illam lana wa tarhamna, and if you do not forgive us and shower your mercy upon us, lanakuna naminal khasirin, we will be amongst the losers. These are the words that they said, "Rabbana walamna anfusana." And the scholars say that if you look at the actual words, they never even asked for forgiveness. They didn't ask for forgiveness. Uh, let's go back and look at it. They said, Rabbana Dalamna Anfusana, O our Lord. Everyone perhaps knows this dua, very famous dua. Rabbana Dalamna Anfusana, O our Rabb, we have wronged ourselves. Wa illam taqfir lana wa tarhamna. If you do not forgive us and shower your mercy upon us, lanakunanna minal khasirin, we will be amongst the losers. So did they say, Faghfir lana warhamna, so forgive us, shower your mercy on us? They never even uttered that. Why did they not say, Faghfir lana warhamna? The reason is that they were at this is called the intiha in the extreme level of humbleness and tawadur in front of Allah that they feel that or the one who's making the dua is so embarrassed about his sin and so full of remorse, so full of regret he feels that I'm in no position even to ask like I have no himma or jur'ah I have no courage to ask in the court of Allah oh Allah forgive me because he will say get lost perhaps to me I don't even deserve that so I can't say, oh Allah, forgive me, please forgive me. All I can say is, this is called aradul hal, presenting one's own condition of ijz and inkisari and, and humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, oh Allah, look, ظلمنا أنفسنا, I have wronged myself. This is hum iqrari mujrim. We are accepting our sin, our fault. We are saying, we, we admit to our mistake. We confess that we are sinners. Rabbana ظلمنا أنفسنا. That's the first part. Um, 
This is important. When you seek forgiveness from Allah or also when you seek forgiveness from one another. If you make a mistake in the dunya, right, the ultimate lamest form of forgiveness is uh, I'm sorry if you felt that way. Right, some, this, I, I received one uh, apology of a student for example. <laughs> so I had to uh, sit down and explain to him. This is not how you write an apology letter. So if somebody for example uh, you know, uh, did a mistake and then he writes an apology letter Say he said something rude to someone or he was joking or he wasn't supposed to joke or he, he bullied somebody or he, uh, or he acted out of uh, line and then he says that, sorry if you felt that way. So what does that mean? That means that I never did anything wrong to begin with but you know, if you are feeling it on your own end that that's bad, then you know, I feel sorry for you. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> so first rukun is, first part of any apology is to accept one's fault. So when you're writing, uh, may Allah protect us from ever having to write an apology letter. <laughs> but, or verbally also if you're apologizing, you have to say, number one, that I made a big blunder, I made a big mistake. It's a very big mistake I committed. And when you're asking Allah Ta'ala for sure, then we say, Rabbana zalamna anfusana. We have wronged ourselves. If you don't forgive me and do not have mercy on me, then I will be lost. So, I, that means, furthermore, please do forgive me. This is very similar to a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We talked about before that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before striking the adab, what does he do? He takes out his anbiya. So uh, what happened is when, when the signs of the impending adab came because Yunus al-Islam is inviting his nation, talking to them, inviting them, inviting them, they're rejecting, they're rejecting. And he has a whole uh, history in front of him of all of the previous anbiya. So then what happened is the signs of the adab uh, became apparent in the distance. And he said the adab is coming. So Allah Ta'ala had told him that if they do not accept the truth, they will be punished. And he saw the signs of the adab on the horizon. So what did he do? He left. But he left without the direct order of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And, um, and then what happened is, then he went onto the boat, right? And when he was in the boat, then the boat was getting attacked. Um, was, the hurricane came and the boat was about to sink. So one of the captain of the boat said, let's draw lots. He said, somebody here has run away from his master without permission. Perhaps that's why the adab came. And the name of Yunus Islam kept on coming three times. He said, no, you're a pious person. He said, no, I'm the one. So what did he do? Jumped out of the boat into the ocean. This is far away from the shore. No place to, subhanAllah, uh, swim back to the shore. Then he was drowning, went to the bottom, then he was swallowed by the fish. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in the Quran. Um, that the names were drawn and his name kept on coming. The big fish swallowed him. And subhanAllah. Yunus al-Islam is one of the prophets he ran away to the ship that was being at, um, in a dangerous position because it was being attacked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent a hurricane towards it the fish swallowed him and he was blaming himself if he did not make the proper tasbih of Allah in the dua, then he would remain in the belly of that fish till the day of judgment. 
Then finally, he was brought forth from the belly of the fish onto the land, and he was very sick. He was all shriveled up. And then Allah Ta'ala gave him a fruit from a tree that he ate, and he was cured, and he regained his health. And Allah Ta'ala said, I sent him to the city of Nineveh, which was a population of 100,000 people. And they all accepted Iman. And then they continued to live happily in this world for some period of time without an adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is a whole surah, Yunus alayhi salam. This was from Surah Safat. And Surah Yunus as well, of course, since the surah bears his name, uh, there will be further mention of this, wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions something else there. He says over there, um, There is no city that believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَنَفَعَهَا إِمَانُهَا and their iman benefited them after seeing the signs of the adab إِلَّا قُمَ Yunus, except for the nation of Yunus alayhi salam what happened to them? لَمَّا آمَنُوا كَشَفْنَا عَنْهُمْ عَذَابِ الْخِزِي فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَتَّعْنَاهُمْ إِلَى حِينَ this is the surah Yunus that we just started and we heard two times today alhamdulillah so It comes here at the end of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the last quarter of the 11th that if there was any city that believed after seeing the signs of Allah, when the signs of the adab come, that's it. They're destroyed. Except for the qawm of Yunus. When they accepted iman, Allah removed the adab from them in this worldly life. And Allah gave them opportunity to continue to live. Then also, it's mentioned in Surah Al-Anbiya, uh, in the 17th juz. Subhanallah. This story comes so many different places. Let's go to the 17th juz. Over there, um, there's a series of beautiful series where Allah Ta'ala is speaking about different du'as of Anbiya. When they call out in need, how Allah Ta'ala continue to respond to them. Remember Ayyub when he when he had a MashaAllah, all his children were sleeping and all the beautiful men, young boys and then the roof fell down and they all died. Then all the sheep, disease came, they all died. Then all his crops, famine came and they all burnt. Then his body was filled with, racked with disease. Then he was thrown out of the city and everything was lost for years and years. He was making sabr. And subhanAllah, his wife was the only one taking care of him, washing his body and taking care of him, feeding him. And then when she went to go get the food, what happened? Allah Ta'ala, finally, He made dua after making sabr for the number of years that He had the blessings. Allah Ta'ala said, Urkud birajlik, hit your heel onto the ground. Hada muqtasalun, baridun wa sharab. A spring will gush forth that will be cool. And drink it and wash your body. And He became young and healthy again. When she came back, she said, My husband was lying here. I'm afraid some dogs may have, or wolves may have taken him. He said, I'm your husband. She said, Please, I am a very distressed woman. I have a lot of difficulty in my life. Do not joke with me. He said, no, I'm your husband. Look at me. And then, lo and behold, it was Ayyub alayhi salam. So Allah Ta'ala says here, وَأَيُّبَ إِذْنَادَ رَبَّهُ Remember Ayyub alayhi salam when he called his Lord. أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الضُّرُّ I am afflicted with all these afflictions. وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِمِينَ And you are the most merciful of those who can show mercy. Again, he didn't say, so cure me. فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ We responded to his call. فَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِ مِن ضُرُ We removed his afflictions. وَأَتِيْنَاهُ أَهْلَهُ We gave him more children to replace those he had lost. وَمِسْتَ لَهُمْ مَعَهُمْ Additional, double. 
as a mercy from our side and a source of admonition and advice for us for those who are worshipping Allah remember Ismail and Idris and Dhal Kifal they were all patient and we entered them into our mercy they were among the righteous ones then with unknown remember the one of the fish Yunus when he left his nation and he was angry with them and he thought we were not going to be upset with him. He thought he was doing the right thing. So this was an ishtihadi mistake he made. Then he called on to me from the multiple darknesses. So it was a dark night and it was dark water and it was dark inside the fish and it was dark inside the belly of the fish. So there are four levels of darknesses. That's why the plural word is here. He called out in the darknesses. La ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu min This is the ayat karima. Again here, he doesn't say, so save me. He just says, this is again, this is a common theme here, common thread in these du'as. He says, La ilaha illa anta, there's no one worthy of worship. What happened when he's dead on the bottom of the fish, bottom of the sea floor, bottom of the ocean floor, and then he said, I'm, I'm over, game over, I'm destroyed. And he was completely losing hope. Then he heard some sound, and he said, what is that? Then he started listening closely. Then he heard the stones on the bottom of the ocean floor, they were making the tasbih of Allah. So he heard the stones in the bottom of the ocean making tasbih. He said, Subhanallah, these stones are making tasbih in the dead darkness. You know, they're so dark, so dark. In the bright day, at noon time, there's no light penetrating there. It's completely dark. 24 hours of the day, 365 days of the year, for eternities, always dark. So dark. Because no light rays can reach down there. It's completely dark. And the stones, what are they doing? Tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. shay'in illa yusabbihu. Bihamdi. Every single thing in existence is doing the tasbih of Allah. Walakin la tafqahuna tasbihahum. But you cannot understand their tasbih. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best how they are doing tasbih. Before people used to think, oh, it's inanimate objects. How can they, you know, have any movement? But now we know that everything is made up of the molecules and the molecules are made up of atoms. And within the atoms, there's a nucleus. And within the nucleus, they're surrounded by electrons. They are uh, moving at the speed of light, the electrons. Orbiting the nucleus. And then, subhanAllah, so this is at a nano, uh, at an atomic level. And then, this, uh, the moon is orbiting the earth, and the earth is orbiting the sun, and the sun is with, along with its eight planets, it used to be nine planets, Pluto is not anymore. So its eight planets is orbiting the center of the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is orbiting the center of the local cluster of galaxies. And the local cluster of galaxies is orbiting around the center of the super cluster of galaxies. And the super cluster of galaxies is orbiting around the center of the known universe. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says from the electron to the universe, Kullun fi falakin yasbahun. Everything is in its orbit. Kullun fi falakin yasbahun. Everything is moving in its orbit. Anyway, so over here he says, when he heard that, he got the courage. Wow, the stones are making dhikr. I should, you know, I need to get courage. So he said, La ilaha illa anta subhanak. There's no one worthy of worship besides you, O oh Allah, you are the pure. Inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. Verily, I am the zalim. I am the oppressor. I am the one who did the sin. Fasajamnalahu, we responded to his call. We saved him from his affliction and his sorrow. But it's not limited to him. Likewise, we will always save those who are believers. al mu'minin could be us as well, inshaAllah, will be us as well. Likewise, we will always come to the aid of the mu'minun when they ask from us. And then likewise, Allah says, Zakariya. Remember Zakariya alayhi salam. Just like Yunus alayhi salam got inspired by the stones doing tasbih, Zakariya alayhi salam got inspired by 
Maryam alayhi salam. Because when he came there and he said, Anna laki hadha, ya Maryam, where did you get these fruits? We covered this in Ali Imran. And she said, Qalat huwa min This Allah grants the fruits out of season. Inna Allah yarzuqa man yasha'u bi ghayri hisab. So he said, Allah can grant me a child also past the season. Wa Zakariya is nada rabbahu. When Zakariya alayhi he called unto his Lord. Right, this is a beautiful dua. If someone is looking for children and... Uh, and uh, they're trying hard for children, they're not, um, uh, they're facing difficulties in having children. Surah Anbiya 21, Ayah 89. 21 Surah, Ayah 89. Rabbi la tadharani farda. O Allah, do not uh, let, let me die alone without any lineage, progeny. This is a dua of Zakariya alayhi salam. There's another, this dua also comes similar wording in the beginning of Surah to Maryam. Uh, when he called out and he said, Wasta'ala ra'su shayba. Oh Allah, my head has uh, become white. And grant me, Yarithuni wa min Ali Yaqub. Grant me a child who will inherit this uh, legacy. So he said, Rabbi la tadarani farda wa anta khayr warithin. Fasajamna lahu wa habna lahu yahya. We accepted his dua and we granted him his son Yahya. Alayhi salam. Wa aslahla lahu zawja. And we uh, cured his wife who had become barren. So, um, then after, so this whole series in Anbiya shows all the Anbiya are making dua and Allah is accepting so we should also get inspired by these stories of Anbiya that when we make dua to Allah Ta'ala Allah will also accept us so what I was talking about earlier is that Adam Islam made a mistake and he asked Allah Ta'ala forgiveness he said oh Allah I have committed Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin may Allah Ta'ala uh, forgive our mistakes I'm going to Surah Al-Anf... Uh, we had covered last night, we had finished with the story of those who were turned into apes. And may Allah, uh, may Allah Ta'ala grant us ibrah that we all have to stand up to speak the truth, invite towards truth, and forbid evil. After that, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala speaks about um, uh, the Ahadu the Alast. There was a promise that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala take, took uh, from all of the arwah, the souls. Before sending them into this world, Allah Taala took out all the souls in the realm of the souls, and made them testify against themselves. And He said, "Alastu birabbikum." So this is known as the Ahdu Alast. Am I not your Rabb? Qalu bala. All of us we responded, "Yes, O oh Allah, you, why not? You are our Lord." So this is the most important thing. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said, "Alastu birabbikum." He didn't say alastu bi khaliqikum or malikikum or razikikum or fatirikum or any other word. Alastu bi rabbikum. So recognizing Allah to be our Rabb is the biggest test. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has hidden Himself, His sifat of rububiyyah behind all the worldly means and asbab. And Rabb is the one who is the provider, the nurturer. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps on emphasizing this. In the ahad, He said alastu bi rabbikum. When the Quran is revealed, the first ayah is iqra bismi. And the Quran, the way it is organized, the first ayat is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And the last surah is Qul bi Rabbin Nas. And when we enter the grave, the first question is Man Rabbuka. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see us if we're going to be steadfast in this. Inna ladhina qalu Rabbuna Allah thumma astaqamu. So the rububiyyah of Allah is a recurring theme in all different aspects from the beginning till the end. To believe that Allah is our Rabb and the sole Rabb. Raditu billahi Rabba. This dua that we're supposed to recite three times in the morning and evening is preparation for the exam. Because the answers to the three questions are in the dua. 
So you're, you're repeating it in the morning and evening so you can answer it. Radiyatu billahi rabba wa bil islami dina wa bi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rasoola wa nabiyya or nabiyya wa rasoola. So these are the three answers to the questions in the grave. Man rabbuka ma dinuka man hadha rajul. Right? Man rabbuka who is your rabb? You're not just saying Allahu Rabbi, you're saying Radiyatu billahi rabba. I'm pleased to declare, I'm proud to declare Allah is my rabb. Ma dinuka wa tirdeen wa bil islami dina. And who is this man? Abu Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Rasulullah wa Nabiya. So if you repeat this three times in the morning and evening, we're going to be inshallah in good shape for the grave. We cannot be as like Umar radiallahu anhu when he heard that he asked Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "When the munkir nakir, they come in the most horrifying, uh, terrifying shape." You know, he said, "Will I be in my senses?" Yeah, Rasulullah. He said, "Yes." He said, "Inshallah, they should be okay." <laughs> I'll inshallah able to handle the exam. But um. Subhanallah, if we repeat this, we should also have the confidence that and hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you're dying, and when we are dying, or whoever is dying, then they are supposed to die with what? More hope. Al-Imanu bayna raja wal khawf. Iman is between hope and fear. At the time of youth, when the passions are extreme and the opportunities for sin are all around, fear should be dominant. And otherwise, in middle age, they should be equal. And when a person is on his deathbed and dying, then hope should be dominant over fear. He should die with hope that, uh, that Allah Ta'ala will forgive me. He should die with that hope because I treat my slave the way he expects from me. So if he accepts, if he is expecting forgiveness from Allah, inshallah, he will receive the forgiveness, inshallah. So this was the promise we took. Uh, and then what happened is uh, that was a different realm, that was a different dimension, that was a different time. And then the Anbiya their primary role is to remind us that you had taken this promise. They came to remind us of that promise in this world. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the story of Bal'am bin Ba'ura. I recall mentioning this, I believe, last year and perhaps the year before. So I will not mention this story. But this is, you can look it up, Surah Araf uh, 175. This is a story I have mentioned a couple of times uh, about the, the, the rabbi priest who used to make dua and Allah would accept his dua in the time of Musa alayhi salam but he ended up trying to curse Musa alayhi salam because of the love for the wealth they tried to buy him out and then what happened his tongue started protruding out like a dog that story is here I have mentioned it a few times thereafter on ayah 180 is to Allah belongs the beautiful names so invoke him with those names this is a reminder for us that we should learn the asma Allah al-husna because this is a commandment of Allah that invoke him with the names. Commonly people think Allah has 99 names. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have 99 names. He has, how many names he has? Allah ta'ala says that, If all the trees of the world were turned into pens, and all the seven oceans are turned into ink, and you're writing the praises of Allah, you'll never finish. So the 99 names are in one hadith. Abu Hurairah narrates from Rasulullah in Tirmizi and other narrations. The 99 are in one hadith. But the names of Allah are unlimited. So that hadith that is there, Allah Ta'ala has 99 names of which if you memorize them, internalize them, believe in them, understand them, make dua to Allah through those names, you will enter Jannah. So that is why those 99 became very famous. But otherwise, there's another dua of Rasulullah that Allahumma inni abduk, O Allah, I am your slave. Wa abnu abdik, I am the son of your slave. Wa abnu amatik, I am the son of, your, of a slave girl. 
Now siyati biyadik, my forehead is in your control. You can pull me any direction. Ma'adhin fiya hukmuk, whatever you decide about me is going to happen. Adrun fiya qadauk, whatever you decide about me is just. Nas'aluka or as'aluka bi kullismin huwalak. I invoke you and I ask you by virtue of all of your names. Sabayta bihi nafsak, that you have named yourself. Aw anzaltahu fi kitabik, or you have revealed in your book. Aw allamtahu ahadam min khalqik, or you have taught any one of your creation. And then the lastly, or only you in your knowledge of unseen have kept the knowledge of those names with yourself that no one else knows. By virtue of all of those names. So what does that tell you? The names are more than 99. That oh Allah make the Quran al-Azim the spring of my heart. And the one that will remove my uh, grief. And may drag me and take me to the Jannah. So this tells us there are more than 99 names. Allah has beautiful names that if we learn them, ponder over them, this is a way of gaining the ma'rifah of Allah. May Allah Ta'ala grant us all the ma'rifah of Allah, the understanding of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make us all arifin billah. Thereafter, there's a very beautiful ayah that is known as the most jami' and comprehensive ayah regarding akhlaq. Rasulullah was commanded, Khudil Afwa, forgive these people. Ayah 199. Khudil Afwa, Abdullah bin Masood and others have said this is the ajma' ayah fil akhlaq, the most comprehensive ayah regarding character. Khudil Afwa, forgive those who are committing wrong. It's not forgive and forget about them, but rather forgive them and, and invite them towards that which is right. But if they persist in the wrong ways, then turn away from those who are persisting in their jahala. So you invite them. You forgive them, invite them to the right path. If somebody is mistreating you, Ya Rasulullah, forgive them. Rasulullah said that Jibreel came to me and said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that whoever Whoever is treating you in a bad manner, forgive them. Salman qata'ak, join relations with those who are cutting off from you. Wa'atiman haramak, grant those who are depriving you. Wa'ahsin ilaman asa'ilaik, treat those in kindness, those who are treating you in a bad manner. Turn away from those who are persisting in jahala. So there was an example of this that happened in the time of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhum. There was a young sahabi uh, tabi'i who was, had knowledge of the Quran. Umar would bring him close into his majlis uh, and then his uncle was a great chieftain he had some complaints against Umar he came he sought an audience with Umar through the wasila of his nephew when he came there he started attacking Umar and he said that you know you don't give us our due right you don't respect us as leader of a tribe you need to give me more money basically he was saying so Umar was very upset that why is this person attacking me in such a manner, very rude. Then his nephew read this ayah. He said, And he said, This person is acting in an ignorant manner, you should turn away, ignore the ignorant people. So Umar calmed down right away. And that is known, his sifa was, He would immediately stop when somebody would remind him of an ayah of the Quran. Wherever this command of treating people kindly, even if they are treating you uh, in a bad manner, it comes three times in the Quran. And every single time it comes, 
immediately afterward, Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِمَّا يَنْزَغَنَّكَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ نَزْغُنْ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ Ibn Kathir rahimullah mentions this point. Over here, every time Allah Ta'ala says, if you are afflicted by a whispering of shaitan, seek the protection of Allah from shaitan. إِنَّهُ سَمِيُّنْ عَلِيمٌ Why is this ayah always coming afterwards? Because when you are being mistreated, then shaitan overcomes a person and makes him reply back, not only what is equally, but some, many times beyond. A person abuses the person back, even worse, or physically becomes, na'udhu billah, attacks in a worse manner. So whenever you are facing somebody who is treating you in a rude manner, particularly if you're fasting, then you should take protection in Allah from shaitanur rajim. Fasta'id billahi minash shaitanir rajim. After that, Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذَا قُرِيَ الْقُرْآنِ When the Qur'an is being recited, فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنْصِتُوا be silent and listen attentively. So that you can become worthy of the mercy of Allah. So listening to the Quran is a commandment when it's being recited and is a means of drawing the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, we come into Surah Al-Anfal in ayah number two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The sifat of the mu'minun. Somebody asked Hassan al-Basri rahmatullahi are you a mu'min? He said, if you referring to a mu'min as amantu billahi wa malaikati wa kutubi wa rasuli wa liyum al-akhiri wa al-qadir khayri wa sharri min Allah ta'ala wa al-ba'ati ba'd al-mawt, I have believed in the articles of faith. But if you want me to say if I'm a mu'min as Allah declares in Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number two and three and four, these sifat of the mu'min as described by Allah, I perhaps am lacking. Who said that? Hassan al-Basri, tabi'i. He was amongst the best of the best eras. And he said that, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the true believers are only those. Number one, إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهِ When Allah is mentioned, وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Their hearts tremble. In awe of Allah, the majesty of Allah. Not out of fear of the way you fear a tyrant or fear an enemy, but rather out of awe in the majesty of Allah, the ru'ab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their hearts tremble. Number one. Number two, وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ when the ayats of the Qur'an are recited in front of them, zadatum imanan. Their iman increases. So this is an opportunity for us to reflect. Is our iman increasing or not? Number three, They rely upon Allah. They have trust in their Rabb Allah. Number four, Those who establish the salah. Not just perform the salah, but establish it by fulfilling all its arkan, its pillars, mustahabbat, in the best manner possible. With khushu' and khudur. Khushu' is the internal condition of the heart. And khudur is the limbs of the body. Number five. And from that which we provided them, they spent in the path of Allah. So five things are mentioned as the signs of the believers. Then Allah Ta'ala says, These are the true believers. True believers. With the dhamir al-fasal bayn al-mutada al-khabar. Meaning they are the true believers. Three promises for them. High lofty status and levels in Jannah. Near their Rabb Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two is maghfirah, forgiveness of their sins. And number three, rizqun kareem, an honorable provision. The scholars mention Abu Hayyan al-Dulasi in Bahar al-Muhayt. He mentions that three of these rewards, because if you look at their good deeds, is one are the condition of the hearts. Wajilat qulubum, that their hearts are filled with the awe of Allah. And their hearts increase in iman. And their heart has tawakkul on Allah. The first three. So for these three, they are darajat. High status in Jannah. For those whose hearts tremble with awe, their iman is increasing and they have tawakkul on Allah. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions physical ibadah. الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ Which is ibadah badaniyah. 
For that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant maghfirah, number second reward. And the third is financial ibadah, mali ibadah. For that, Allah ta'ala will give rizqun kareem. Beautiful provision in the akhirah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the sifat of the mu'minun and mention in this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, Ya ayyuhaladzina amanu stajibu lillahi wa lirrasul. All those who believe, respond to Allah and the Rasul idha da'akum when they call you. Rasulullah s.a.w. sent a message for Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu. But he was performing salah. So he finished his salah and he delayed a bit in coming. Then this ayah was revealed. Rasulullah s.a.w. said, Istajibu lillahi wa lirrasul. When Allah and the Rasul call you, you must respond right away. Even if you're performing salah, break it. This is a level for Rasulullah after Rasulullah for anyone else calls you when you're praying depends if someone's life is in danger then you can break the salah for sure if uh, there's a baby there and a snake is coming up to the baby or whatever any scenario where someone's life is in danger whether it's farad or nafal you can break the salah and um, besides that if there's no emergency if your parents are calling you subhanAllah the rights of the parents that if you're performing nafal salah or sunnah salah you can break it even if their life is not in danger. But you will go back and make qada of that. Because, Ya ayyuhaladzina amanu la tubtilu a'malakum. Or those who believe, do not invalidate your actions. So you started amal, you need to go back and make qada. If you're performing farad salah, you will not break it. You will, com- you will complete it. So this was the shanu nuzul of this ayah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here about, Ya ayyuhaladzina amanu la takhunu Allah wa rasul. Or those who believe, do not make khiyana in the amana against Allah and the rasul. What is this ayah about? Subhanallah. This is an ayah regarding when khiyana that took place with the sahabi, Labid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So this is the battle of the khandaq happened. Just like we spoke about the Ansar of Medina, they had taken a pledge that they will defend Medina if attacked. Likewise, the Nabi had made a treaty and a pact with the Yehud. That if Medina is attacked, if the Yehud are attacked, the Muslims will defend the Yehud. And likewise, if the Muslims are attacked, the Yehud are going to defend the Muslims. In the battle of Ahzab, the Quraysh came with other tribes, all of the confederates, the Ahzab. And they camped outside Medina and they surrounded Medina. But the Yehud, instead of defending the believers, they joined with the Mushrikeen. So they made a khiyana. So after the battle of Ahzab, Rasulullah went to surround the and siege the forts of the Banu Qurayza. And finally, they were giving up and surrendering. Then they said, who is going to make the judgment what to do with these rebels? Because they were rebels, they were traitors, they had violated the treaty. So Sa'ad bin Wa'ad, they had alliance with him before Islam. So they asked him to make the judgment. Then others said that uh, Abu Lubaba radiallahu ta'ala anhu should make the judgment. Now they were deciding who should do it. Rasulullah said Sa'ad bin Wa'ad will make the judgment. And he made the judgment that those who are the traitors that they should be killed, beheaded. Now Abu Lubaba radiallahu anhu he went to uh, go visit the Banu Qurayza. This is uh, a test that he had because his family, his wife and children were inside there. And he was worried about them. And he didn't want any reprisal, revenge attacks on his family. So they were begging and crying and saying, oh, help us out, whatever, you have connections with us. What's going to happen? What, what has been decided? So that was something that was, he was not supposed to expose. So he took a finger with his finger. He didn't utter anything with his tongue, but he made an ishara like this. For those who are listening online and our sisters, basically what he did is, he took a finger and he made an indication by the neck like, oh, you're, you know, you will be beheaded and he, he gave this ishara afterward when he came out he realized that he had exposed the secret of Rasulullah before time and he felt very 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 
sad about that, very regretful. So then he went to a pillar, Ustawana, that bears his name, Ustawana Abu Lubaba. It's also known as Ustawana Tawba. And he tied himself up. And he said, that's it. I will die here. I will never leave this pillar until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives me. Rasulullah said that, oh, if he came to me and asked me for forgiveness, and I would have made tawbah to Allah on his behalf, and I would ask Allah to forgive him. If people wrong you themselves and they come to you and they seek Allah's forgiveness and they ask you, oh, Nabi Wasallam, please forgive them, then Allah will forgive them. But why did he come to me? He tied himself up and he said that I will not be untied from here until Allah forgives me. Now I cannot, I don't know if Allah has forgiven or not, I have to wait till the wahi comes, till the revelation comes. So it took about seven days. Only his wife would untie him to go uh, perform his salah and he would, they would tie him back because he instructed them, you better tie him back. So they had to, his wife and his daughters. And he was not eating or drinking much. Only for physical needs, rarely would be, he would have to relieve himself and he would pray and he would be tied up. And uh, he was started fainting. He was going on, on the, like literally on strike. He said, oh Allah, I will die here, but I, I'm just so remorseful over my sin. Until then, in the night, the revelation finally came, seventh night. And that was given to him, the knowledge was, was uh, conveyed to him. He said, no, I'm going to not uh, leave here until Nabi ﷺ comes and unties me with his own hands. So finally Nabi ﷺ came before Fajr and he untied him. That is a pillar, it says, Hadi Ustawanu Abi Lubaba or Hastawanu Toba. His name is written. The Ottoman Turks, when they established, when they built the Masjid Nabwi, the, they kept the pillars in the exact same locations. That's why they're not in the exact symmetrical order. Some are, they're out of line. The reason they're out of line is because they are marking the exact spot where the trunks were in the era of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it says, and when the Saudis, Abdul Aziz uh, Ali Saud, the father of the current king, when he took it over, part of the treaty, when he took it over from the Ottoman Khalifa, he said that we will not touch the the Ottoman Masjid, we'll keep your Masjid the way it is. That was one of the conditions of the treaty when he conquered Medina, when he came from Riyadh. So that's why the original Masjid Nabwi is still there based on the Ottoman Empire. Now if they're going to keep that treaty, because the Ottoman Empire itself is not there, the ones with whom they had signed the treaty. Allah what will happen if they will change it. That's the reason it still is in its original shape from the Ottoman times. And the pillar is there. That's why we should go there and perform Turaqat Salah and say, Oh Allah, the way you forgive Abu Lubaba, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, please forgive us. So that's why it has the two names. Ustawana Toba, pillar of Toba, and Ustawana Abi Lubaba. And, and a reminder for all of us, besides just the history and the story, is that why did this happen? Because of the love of wife and children. Allah Ta'ala says here, Know that your, your wealth and your children is a fitna. It's a test for you. Because a man, many times, he himself will say, okay, I can survive in an apartment and rent. But my children, my wife, they want a beautiful home. He goes into riba. Or he will start earning haram money. Why? To provide for the family. Right? This is a test. Many ulama and mashayikh and great people also, they were tested. Sahaba were tested. Hatim ibn Abi Balta, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Subhanallah, Badri Sahabi. He was not from Quraysh and his wife and children were in Makkah. What happened? When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was going to perform the... Uh, surprise was going to perform the, the Umrah for, and he was heading towards Makkah al-Mukarramah he sent a letter 
He sent a letter exposing that to Nabi, of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi plan to Makkah. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala revealed to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he sent Ali Radhiallahu and Zubair Radhiallahu Go and by the road of Khaq you will find a woman and she has a letter. So they were running, running on their horses, galloping as fast as they could because they were behind. They want to catch her. They found that lady by Rodeh Khaq and they went and captured and they said that you have a letter. She said, I don't know any letter. You have a letter. Rasulullah told us you have a letter. She said, no, I have no letter. They said, okay, we don't want to touch you. We don't want to harm you. Okay, if you want to be, uh, you know, we're treating you in a noble manner. You're a lady. Just give us a letter. If you are going to continue to deny, we are going to be forced to strip you and find that letter on your person. So give it now. Then she oh, said, okay, okay, relax. Then she opened her hair and braided inside her hair. She had hidden the letter. They t- she took it out, gave it to them. They ran back to Rasulullah Inside there it was written that Muhammad and, and a big army is coming. They're going to defeat you. There's no way you can defend yourselves. Nabi Wasallam called Hatim ibn Nabi Balta and said, Ma'adha, what is this? Then he started crying. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I believe in you. Raditu billahi rabba. I am a mu'min. I am a Muslim. Please. He started crying. He said that it's just my children. My wife and children are there in Makkah. And the mushrikeen are going to attack them and kill them. I wanted them to be safe. I have no family. I have no alliance with the Quraysh. That's why I wrote this. But I know Allah is going to grant you victory. Umar said, Ya Rasulullah, that may I dispatch this munafiq. Rasulullah said, relax. That he is from the Ahlul Badr. Allah has looked upon you. The Ahlul Badr said, You are free. Whatever you do, Allah has granted you Jannah. So he was, subhanAllah, forgiven by Rasulullah. And interestingly, that with respect to him in a letter, after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when Nabi sent the letters to the kings, Rasulullah in the fifth year as well sent him letters. He was the one who carried the letter to. Muqawqis, the king of Egypt. Rasulullah selected him. So this is the love of the wife and the children. It's always a test. You know, sometimes people, they don't understand. Allah Ta'ala can forgive because like recently, there was Sheikh Saeed Ramadan al-Bouti, great scholar. People were saying, oh, why is he supporting Bashar al-Assad? You know, there's such a volume tyrant. You, you never know. It's, if, if, the, if the government would say, the tyrants would say that we'll kill you, we'll t- torture you, he would not support perhaps. But when they say that all your daughters will be assaulted and, they, and your wife will be this and fulah and this, all of these torture, they'll be uh, in, you know, the most unspeakable horrific crimes are going to happen to your family. So they're forced to sometimes say whatever they have to say. Now Allah Ta'ala knows how compelled they are, how compelling the circumstances are. But at the end, he was, he was asked to write a fatwa that as a draft, every person must join the army of Bashar al-Assad and fight against all these people. So he refused to do that. He was sitting, giving a dars on a table just like this in the masjid. When a bomber came, it's on the CCTV, has a recording, and he blew him up. And those who were in the first saf also, they all became shaheed. So we don't know what the tests are. This is a test for us. We love our wives and children. And this is something that you know, we ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never to test us with regards to our wives and children. There is also an answer to a very a big objection from the feminist when they say that, you know, when the women are known as a fitna. They say fitna is a very negative thing, connotation. This is misogynistic, this is anti-woman. How can you say woman is a fitna? So the reality is, fitna means a test. The woman by her nature is not something evil. Rather, the love a man has for the woman is a test. And if you can ask them, if there is someone that is not evil, if there's a, and everyone agrees it's so cute and innocent, it's what? Babies. 
Baby is an innocent baby, right? So guess what? The Quran says, Auladukum, little innocent, beautiful children are also fitna. Does that mean we are baby haters? We don't hate babies. Babies are our fitna too. What type of fitna? A test for the parents. So likewise, if women are fitna, i.e., that means the love the man has for the woman is a test for the man. Will he try to please his beloved wife? Like a woman said, okay, you want, you want uh, to marry me? My mahar is the head of Yahya alayhi salam. That's how Yahya salam got decapitated. Not only killed, murdered, assassinated, but he cut off his head and he said, okay, the head of Yahya was the mahar. Or the woman said, you love me, I want me to uh, kill the Salih salam's camel. Right. So there's a, we could actually write a series, a book on the series of the horrific crimes committed by men. They're the guilty one. I mean, not, because of love of women. Right. So this is exactly, so the woman is not the fitna, the, the love the man has for the woman is a fitna. So the deen is not anti-woman or misogynistic. This is uh, the meaning of women and children being a fitna for men, for parents. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. And then it is... Uh, the ayats continue on, insha'Allah. We will uh, conclude with maybe one more. Allah Ta'ala says that, you know, when Islam spread to Medina, the Quraysh in Makkah, they got very alarmed. What's going on? So they had a mashwara in Darul Nadwa, the house of Qusay bin Kala. This is the last ayah for tonight. So they made a mashwara. All the leaders gathered, to, gathered together. One of them said, let's just lock him up, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and chain him. Iblis came in the form of an old man, Shaykh Najdi, from Najd. They asked him, who are you? He said, I'm a Shaykh from Najd. And then, you know, where Riyadh is in Central Arabia, that's Najd. He came from there and he said, uh, I want to join your meeting. When they gave that proposal, he said, no, 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 no. His followers are going to come and they're going to release him and they're going to attack those who locked him up. Then somebody else said, let's deport him far away somewhere else. Then the same, Shaykh Najd, the Iblis, he said, no, 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 wherever he goes, he'll make that a center and come back and attack you. Then finally, Abu Jahl said, okay, Let's finish him off. Everyone said, how are we going to do that? Because he, the Banu Hashim are going to take revenge from the murderer. So then he said, no, no, no. What we do is, everyone knows from the seerah. We have 10 youth from 10 different clans simultaneously attack him such that the Banu Hashim will be alone. They will not be able to take revenge from 10 clan members. So Iblis said, yes, that's a good plan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah 30 exposing their plan. Remember when these kuffar, they are plotting against you, لِيُثْبِتُوكَ to chain you up, يُخْرِجُوكَ to expel you, يَقْتُلُوكَ to kill you. They are planning, but Allah has a better plan. Allah is the best planner. So this ayah was revealed, exposing their plan to Rasulullah Wasallam, and he was ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make hitrah, and he recited the ayah, وَجَعَلْنَا مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدِيمُ سَدَّمُ وَمِنْ خَلْفِ and he recited the ayah, Allah Ta'ala put a veil in front of them and he put the dust on top of their heads and he walked out right in front of all of the ten people who had surrounded his house with Ali radiallahu anhu lying in his bed with the instruction to return the amanat. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected his Nabi and this is how Allah Ta'ala will preserve his deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of all of these ayat and make it easy for us to spend more time learning what Allah Ta'ala has revealed in the Quran, implement it in our lives, practice it, propagate the message of the Quran. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين